0: And let's go ahead and take our Bibles and turn to Matthew chapter 24, Matthew chapter 24, and I want to continue in this chapter as we have made our way, verses 13 and 14, really the pivotal part of the entire chapter. And as we look at the headlines, oh, the headlines, oh, the headlines, you know, uh, one of the things that the Bible describes the Antichrist as the lawless one. The lawless one. Anybody been following what's going on in Chicago? Uh, I'm afraid that's shades of things to come. He's the lawless one. You know, they, they said, well, we need to you know, get rid of Lori Lightfoot. I mean, who could be worse? <laughs> well, they got someone in worse. Uh, he's a cross between Jesse Jackson, Al Sharpton, and Bozo the Clown. And, uh, you know, he's just encouraging all this lawlessness. And so we look around us, and you wonder what is going on. Well, the Lord told us what's going on before it ever goes on in Matthew chapter 24. And um, some things were said recently about prophecy, God's purposes for prophecy. But uh, one of the things that God uses prophecy for, uh, we'll talk about two of them. Number one... The Word of God has prophecy so that you know that God gave us these things. Uh, You take the other holy books, so-called, they don't have prophecy. They don't have prophecy. And where their prophets attempt prophecy, it doesn't come to pass. And by the way, in the Old Testament, the the penalty for that would have been stoning to death for being a, a false prophet. But throughout the Word of God, we have prophecy, and it proves that God is God. But it also gives us comfort and encouragement because when we see what's going on around us, the, the sometimes chaotic, as, as it is these days, uh, we look in the, in the Word of God and we just say, well, God said it would be that way. And then God gives us the solution. He tells us how it's all going to end, and for his people, it's going to end well. So we're in Matthew chapter 24, and we'll pick up and start from the beginning in verse, verse 1. We'll do a little bit of reading here, and again, I want to reference a couple things we talked about a little while back, but when you look around you, understand, the Bible says in Paul's day, the mystery of iniquity doth already what? It's already at work, okay? So when you try to look for uh, the why behind the what, remember something, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, Paul told us in Ephesians chapter 6. And so a lot of times we make the mistake, even as believers, in looking for the why behind the what, and we start looking at flesh and blood. We start looking too much at politics. We look too much at people and power brokers when God tells us it's something beyond that. Principalities and powers and high places, and the spirit of iniquity doth already work. And so uh, Matthew chapter 24, and the Bible says, and Jesus went out And departed from the temple, and his disciples came to him for to show him the buildings of the temple. And Jesus said unto them, See ye not all these things? Verily I say unto you, There shall not be left here one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down. And as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came unto him, privately saying, Tell us, when shall these things be, and what shall be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the world?" So they asked Jesus several questions regarding the remark that he made, and then Jesus breaks out in the, into this amazing chapter. Now, the Bible says in Revelation 19 that the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. So I would say this to you. Uh, it is a wise thing, and uh, it's, it's a, a helpful thing uh, to tell people as, as they look around. And I've heard so many testimonies recently of, of many of you doing this very thing. And the conversation comes up, whether it's politics or society or, or, or whatever, and, and, and lost people are asking questions. What is going on? And, folks, the Bible has the answer. And, and you talk about a witnessing opportunity, a witnessing tool. The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. And Matthew chapter 24, <laughs> excuse me, looks forward to the book of Revelation. Which has got so much uh, end times material in it, and then backward to the book of Daniel, which which connects also, <laughs> excuse me, uh, to the book of Revelation. And so uh, we pick it up here in verse 4 And Jesus answered and said unto them, Take heed that no man deceive you. Now, earlier on, we talked about uh, that emphasis that Jesus gives to early on in this chapter about deception and to be aware of deception. And how do we stay away from deception? How do we keep from getting caught up in, in a lot of, <coughs> excuse me, uh, of theories and misunderstandings, religious and otherwise? Uh, we stay in the Word of God. Let the Word of God be the filter for, for your interpretation of events around you. Don't interpret the Word of God by events Interpret events by the word of God. Verse 5. For many shall come in my name. Notice that many, and saying that I am Christ, and shall deceive many. And you shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you be not troubled, for these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. And so there's an acceleration. We talked about that word many in there over and over again. There's an acceleration of these events both on on the macro and the micro, and then if you look at verse (coughs) 7, excuse me, for nation shall rise against nation, and uh, kingdom against kingdom, Um, uh, can you say the Ukraine, Uh, Russia, And, and you know what's especially important about that? We understand the potential of that area, the volatility of that area. It's not just a couple of banana republics not getting along with each other, but we see the magnitude of that. And kingdom against kingdom, and there shall be famines and pestilences. And by the way, by definition, COVID was a pestilence. And, and I'm just going to tell you, uh, if, if you want a little education to get in context, read about the, the, the epidemic of the Spanish influenza, the Spanish flu, as they called it, uh, back around the time of the First World War in that neighborhood. And I'm going to tell you something, folks. What we went through is a weenie roast compared to a forest fire. And, and when you look at, at the control that governments could exert on people, when you looked at the fear, when you looked at the panic, folks, uh, something like the Spanish flu, it wouldn't have been a shortage of toilet paper we'd have been worrying about, okay? Um, it wouldn't have been a matter of running around looking for corn cobs, there may not have been any corn on the shelves. Amen? I mean, it, it could have got a lot worse. And 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 so uh, these are just sort of a warm-up uh, for the big deal. And by the way, as I read these things, uh, I rejoice that the church will be taken out before most of this comes to full fruition. But do understand something. Uh Dispensations in the word of God, moral probationary periods, aren't a flip of the switch. There's transition into them. And so, folks, I I believe it's incumbent upon me to prepare us, even though we're not going through, (coughs) excuse me, the tribulation period per se, but it's incumbent upon us to be prepared for the times that we are in so we can continue to be a witness for Christ and understand what's going on and not come off the rails. Let me digress for a second. Keep your finger there in verse 7 and then uh, flip over to Jeremiah chapter 12. Let me just give you an example here. We're going to talk a little bit more about this tonight. We're going to talk tonight uh, besides uh, the Columbia trip, we're going to talk about a way for you to increase your courage in these days, guaranteed for everybody. How many of you think you need more courage? Some of you put both hands up, would you? <laughs> I would, but I'm holding my place with the other, with the other hand. We're going to talk about that tonight. Uh, Jeremiah chapter 12. Jeremiah chapter 12, verse 5. Jeremiah chapter 12, verse 5. If thou hast run with the footmen, and they have wearied thee, then how canst thou contend with horses? And if in the land of peace wherein thou trustest they wearied thee, then how wilt thou do in the swelling of Jordan? Folks, I, I, I'm a, I've i told you this before. If I was one of these guys that believe we were going through the tribulation, I'd try to figure out how they're going to give the mark of the beast, and I'd be training us how not to take it. I believe that would be my job. But even though I don't believe we're going through that, I believe the church is going to be taken out before Daniel's 70th week starts. Uh, Look, I'm not trying to be a Billy Bummer or Debbie Downer here, but things are going to get worse before they get better. And we need to be ready. And the best way to be ready is to know what the Word of God says and not be surprised. Not be surprised. Uh, whatsoever, and uh, let me uh, let me go back to this here. We'll 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 revisit this whole uh, concept here again in just a moment. But verse seven, go back to Matthew chapter twenty-four, verse seven. Uh, For nation shall rise against nation, and and kingdom against kingdom, and there shall be famines and pestilence and earthquakes in divers places. And uh, that word "divers" that's diversified diversified places. And, you know, we've talked about, in the past, we talked about this business of earthquakes. And those that study these things say that earthquakes are increasing uh, not only in the magnitude, but also in the frequency all around the world. I remember here about five years back when we had that little, uh, that little shake and bake here. That's what I call it because I don't really think it was a big-time earthquake. But where was it? It was up in, uh, was it up around Riggins that it actually... Stanley, OK. And, and I remember I, I, I was in my office I believe it was on a Wednesday night, uh, late in the afternoon, around 4:35 o'clock. I was studying, and I had my back to the door, I had the door open, and I was at my study desk, and I'm studying away. And it, I, I felt the building shake a little bit. And then behind me, I thought I heard uh, a relative of Frankenstein coming down the hallway. Boom, boom, boom. That's what it sounded like to me. And you ever get one of those things where you want to look, but you don't want to look? <laughs> okay. Because I've had a few occasions over the years where one of the relatives of Frankenstein did show up, and he was mad, and boom, boom, that's how he came down the hall. So I thought, oh, boy, here he comes, you know. And I looked around, there was nobody there, and then I felt the building shake again. And the only thing I could think of is, get out of here, <laughs> I've never been in a real earthquake, but I've seen the pictures of the aftermath. And I didn't want to be on the second floor floor of any building during an earthquake. So I got ran down, got out in the parking lot. And, you know, you think a a small little thing like that, and and then you think of going through a a real one here. Just uh, back in 2015, just eight years ago, uh, the quake in Nepal, uh, the Hearns were there. And uh, they told us all about it. You remember that testimony, but 7.8 on the Richter scale, 9,000 people died, 22,000 suffered injuries. 17 days later, there was another major quake, a 7.3, 600,000 homes destroyed, one-third of the population affected. And so the history of these things tells us that they are increasing with frequency and intensity. Then verse 8, notice what Jesus says. All these are the what? Beginning of sorrows. So what's Jesus telling us here? He's just telling us, be ready. And in verse 9, then he tells his disciples, then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted and shall kill you, and ye shall be hated, excuse me, watch it, of all nations for my name's sake. Uh, It's amazing in light of the history of the Second World War and the Holocaust, that anti-semitism could be on the rise in Europe and the United States it's amazing to me that it could be but it is and many shall then and then shall many be offended <clears throat> and shall betray one another and shall hate one another uh, first there was talk of political correctness then of woke and then safe places in the college and and don't talk to this talk to me this way or you will offend me. Oh, and you need to know my pronouns. These days all you have to do is look at somebody and they get dusted up. I mean, did Jesus call it or what? By the way, by the way, as believers, how far should it go before we get offended? I like what Brother Sommerdorf said one time. He said, you know, we don't have to take offense when somebody offends us. I mean, think about that in the context of your family. Think about that in the context of the brethren. Think about that in the context of preaching. Oh, he's preaching at me. Can I just say something with all the kindness I can muster up in my heart? How arrogant must you be to think we got all these people here, and I am preaching a message just for you. Hmm. I mean, you're so important, I ignored everybody else in the building, and I'm just preaching to you. (laughs) Great peace of they which love thy law, and what? Nothing shall offend them. You say, how far should I go uh, until I get offended? Jesus said, the time is coming, that, that they that kill you, will think they're doing God's speed. He said, don't be offended. So how far should I go? If they kill you, don't be offended. (laughs) (laughs) They're talking about me. Well, at least they know you're alive. (laughs) And and so he says, and many shall be offended, verse 10, and shall betray one another, and shall hate one another. Um, All this trans-madness. And it's madness. It's madness for an adult that's of age to make that decision. But it is no less than child abuse to let someone under 18 make that decision, or worse yet, forcing on them. In Australia, they can take your children from you now, if the kid wants a transition, he goes to school and gets the dumb idea. And then comes home. Oh, and by the way, the guidance counselor over there in the school helped him out with this. And then you say no, if he turns you in, they can come take the kids. Things keep going the way they're going in this country. We're not far behind. You say it's madness. Amen. Amen. And, and, you know, you look at these, and and 50 years ago, I remember when I first saved 50 years ago, you look at verse 10, you wonder, wow, I I wonder what's going to happen, that people will start doing that to each other. It it really wasn't that thinkable to me in our close-knit Italian family, on the close-knit Polish side of our family. It, it, It wasn't thinkable to me that these things would happen, but now we see them happening before our eyes. Verse 11 and many false prophets shall arise, and shall deceive many. There's that word again. <clears throat> and because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. During the hippie revolution, talk of free love. When iniquity abounds, folks, love is what dies. When sinfulness abounds, folks, when liberty turns into licentiousness, love Dies. And Jesus says, Because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. All right, here's where we pick up the narrative now. In verse 13, But he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations, and then shall the end come. All right, let's go back to this business of Jeremiah chapter 12, verse 5, and the footman. and and, and the horsemen Uh, let's look at a companion verse here and again keep your hand here in Matthew 24 we're going to go back here and it's Sunday morning I know that and and the general uh, consensus out there in Christendom is that everybody in the building here this morning including yours truly is a Bible blockhead and doesn't care about the Bible but I reject that I don't believe that's the case we love God's word and we want to learn God's word So let's learn a little bit more. Flip up to Matthew chapter 13. Matthew chapter 13. Or excuse me, Mark 13. I'm sorry, Mark 13. And so let's give ourselves some context of these times and see what God has to say to us so that we can thrive, we can prosper. Folks, I don't believe that I'm hanging on by my fingernails and and ready to fall a thousand feet off the cliff I hope you don't folks I'm serving the same God I did ten years ago I'm serving the same God I did 20 years ago I'm saving the same God who was here in the 1980s when you turned on the news and you saw a picture of Ronald Reagan sitting next to Margaret Thatcher and the world was a wonderful place. (laughs) And Mr. Rogers was taking off his sweater and inviting you to come to his neighborhood. (laughs) I'm serving the same God as back then. God doesn't change. Man changes, circumstances change, but God doesn't change. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. Mark chapter 13. Look at verse 12. Mark 13 verse 12. Same context as Matthew 24. And, and now uh, the brother shall betray the brother to death and the father the son. And the children shall rise up against their parents and shall cause them to be put to death. And he shall be hated of all men for my name's sake. But he that shall endure unto the end the same shall be saved. And then look at verse 14. And Lord willing, if we have the time, we're going to go there. But when ye shall see the abomination of desolation, spoken of by Daniel the prophet, standing where it ought not, let him that readeth understand, then let them which be in Judea flee to the mountains. So Luke chapter 21, if you would. Luke chapter 21. Again, keep your hand over there in Matthew 24. Luke chapter 21. And so when I was saved nearly 50 years ago, I, I read those verses, and I, it just seemed unthinkable to me that families or children can turn against the parents and, and betray themselves. To who? How? How would this all work? And now it's no mystery. It's no mystery. Luke chapter 21, Luke chapter 21 and verse 19. Luke 21, verse 19, and uh, Jesus talking to his disciples, same context, he says, in your patience, possess ye your souls. Uh, if there is a theme this morning that I can convey to you through all of this, if there is a theme I can convey to you, it is found in verse 19, in, in, in your patience, possess ye your souls. Don't go off the rails. Don't quit. Keep on for God. Okay. Now, if you find yourself wanting to walk on God because, you know, uh, your stock portfolio is all messed up and the neighborhood isn't what it used to be and uh, you don't like what you see in politics or the economics of the country or something else, then why don't you repent of your misplaced uh, priorities? Repent of being earthly minded and not heavenly minded like God told you to be as a believer. Let's start there, and then ask God to give you a heart for souls, and realize why we've been left here. Someone asked me the other day, what do you think of all this traffic? Well, I grew up in the Chicago area, so we're not there yet. (laughs) Now, I'll just be honest with you, I don't like it. I don't like to have to think about the commute, okay? I don't. I don't. I wish wherever they're coming from, they'd start liking it where they're at. <laughs> but you know what? I wasn't promised heaven on this earth. Hey, and, and you know, we talk about all those flat, We talk about going to the mission field. Well, maybe God's bringing the mission field right to our doorstep. And instead of worrying about quality of life and traffic and the commute, and, oh my, oh my, uh, escalating home values and taxes and all this other stuff. Why don't we say, hey, Lord, all kinds of witnessing opportunities. Yeah. Yeah. You want a mission field? Put a bumper sticker on your vehicle that says, welcome, Californians. <laughs> <laughs> and have a bunch of gospel tracks. Huh? Now, you get attacked by some people. But some of these very sad Californians that can't let anybody know, you ever ask them, where are you from? "Uh, California. (laughs) Where? (laughs) California. When they do that, I know where it is. I don't even have to understand what they said. It's California. You get a chance to witness to a bunch of people, a a persecuted group. (laughs) Or at least a group with low self-esteem anyways. (laughs) God didn't promise Promise us heaven on earth, okay? He didn't. He didn't. In fact, you're not getting out here alive, anyways. You're going out feet first. And if you look around you and you see the wickedness, and I'll tell you what, if you got any sense of righteousness about you, the wickedness will stir up your righteous indignation. It will. It will. But I read Psalm 37 the other day, and God's going to pay the wicked back. He's going to take care of it. He's going to take care of it. And two things about him. Number one, he does it right at the right time. You and I never get that right. The wrath of man, James says, worketh not the righteousness of God. Okay? And then number two, he does a way better job than we do. He really does. So, so know that God's in control, folks. God's in control. This is not a time to go off the rails. Matthew 24, let's go back there. Matthew chapter 24. So now, look at verse 13. Verse 13, such a misunderstood verse. Uh, folks, all you gotta do is look at verse 13 in the context, and you understand what he's talking about. This has nothing to do with a Christian losing his salvation. Ah, see, but he that shall endure unto the end of his life, the same shall be saved. That's not what he's talking about. Look at the next verse. Look at the next verse. And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations, and then shall the end come. Here we are smack in the tribulation period, and the gospel of the kingdom's being preached. And and you say, what is that gospel? That gospel is that the king is coming and you better get ready and you better not take the mark of the beast. You say, Where'd you get that? Glad you asked. Glad you asked. Turn to Revelation chapter fourteen. Turn to Revelation chapter fourteen. Scripture with scripture. Bible study. Bible study. I know it's gone the way of the dinosaur in most of this contemporary and emergent Christianity. But God tells us to search the scriptures. There's comfort, there's admonition, there's encouragement, there's exhortation in it. And uh, Revelation chapter 14, Revelation chapter 14. Now, if we were to hearken back to Revelation chapter 7, which we won't for the sake of time, but in Revelation chapter 7, 144,000 male, virgin, Jewish women preachers, 12,000 from each tribe of Israel, each tribe named in Revelation chapter 7, and these preachers are sealed, and they are preaching this everlasting gospel. Verse 1, and I looked, and lo, a lamb stood on the Mount Sion, and with him in 144,000, having his father's name written in their foreheads, and I heard a voice from heaven as the voice of many waters, and as a voice of a great thunder, and I heard the voice of harpers harping with their harps, and they sung as it were a new song before the throne, and before the four beasts, and the and the elders, and no man could learn that song but the hundred and forty and four thousand, which were redeemed from the earth, and these were they which were not defiled with women, for they are virgins. These are they which follow the Lamb whithersoever they goeth. Uh, these were redeemed from among men, being the first fruits unto God and to the Lamb, and uh, they have one purpose in life. They have one purpose in life. Look at this now. And and in their mouth was found no guile, for they are without fault before the throne of God. And I saw another angel fly in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel to preach. There's the gospel of the kingdom. (laughs) <laughs> and unto them that dwell on the earth, and to every nation, and kindred, and tongue, and people, and the angels preaching this gospel from heaven. And these 144,000 are preaching this gospel, saying with a loud voice, Fear God, give glory to him, for the hour of his judgment has come, and worship him that made heaven and earth and the sea, and the fountains of waters. And there followed another angel, saying, Babylon is fallen, is fallen, that great city, because she made all the nations drink of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. Verse 9. Here's another component to this gospel. And the third angel followed them, saying with a loud voice, if any man... Worship the beast in his image and receive his mark in his forehead or in his hand. The same shall drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out without mixture into the cup of his indignation. And he shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. And the smoke of their torment ascendeth up forever and ever. And they have no rest day nor night who worship the beast and his image and whosoever receiveth the mark of his name he that shall endure to the end, the same shall be saved. Fear God, keep his commandments, the hour of his judgment has come, and don't take the mark. That's the gospel being preached. Now go back to Matthew chapter 24. Go back to Matthew chapter 24. See what a little Bible study will do to just sort of clear things up a little bit? That's what Jesus is talking about in verse 13. He that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations. And then shall the end come. Folks, that's not the gospel we're preaching. I hope that's not the gospel you're preaching. I hope you're preaching the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. I hope you're preaching believe on the Lord Jesus Christ (coughs) Excuse me. And thou shalt be saved. I hope that's what you're preaching. I hope you're preaching for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Then verse 15. When ye therefore shall see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet, stand in the holy place. Whoso readeth, let him understand. You say, preacher, that's already happened. That was two presidencies ago. That's what I used to call it. I used to call it the abomination of desolations. What's Jesus talking about here? Spoken of by Daniel the prophet. Now, all we're going to be able to do this morning is touch on this, but I just want to whet your appetite a little bit. Go to Daniel chapter 9. Jesus, remember, I said to you, Matthew 24 is so pivotal It it hearkens to the book of Revelation going forward, but it reaches back to Daniel, and Daniel hearkens to the book of Revelation. It ties everything together. Daniel chapter 9. Daniel chapter 9. Bible prophecy. Are are there any subjects that are more exciting than that? Bible prophecy. Daniel chapter 9. And Daniel chapter 9 and verse uh, 24 70 weeks are determined upon thy people and upon thy holy city to finish the transgression and to make an end of sins and to make reconciliation for iniquity and to bring in everlasting righteousness and to seal up the vision and the prophecy and to anoint the most holy. Now, he says a lot there in verse 24, okay? He's talking to Israel in captivity He's talking about Israel being released from captivity. He's talking about Israel getting back into their land. He's talking about Israel being restored, but not before uh, they go through a, another week of, of years. Another another piece of the puzzle here. And he's talking about the, uh, holy, the holy One being anointed, the Lord Jesus Christ, ruling and reigning for 1,000 years. Uh, he's talking about him being cut off. Verse 24, the crucifixion. Know therefore and understand that, that from the going forth of the commandment to restore and build Jerusalem. That's found in the book of Nehemiah. That's found in the book of Nehemiah. <clears throat> Unto the Messiah, the Prince, <clears throat> shall be seven weeks and threescore and two weeks, and the street shall be built again, and the wall even in troublous times. And after threescore and two weeks shall Messiah be cut off, but not for himself. So you see why we say the Jews of Jesus' day could have known roughly when Christ was coming. They had the formula right here. They just had to work from the, uh, the rebuilding of Jerusalem back in the book of uh, Nehemiah uh, and, and, and work forward, and, and it would have put them right there. It would have put them right there. And the Bible says, uh, but not for himself, verse 26, and the people of the prince that shall come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary, and the end thereof shall be with a flood. And unto the end of the war desolations are determined, Verse, verse 26, 27, you're in the tribulation period now. And he shall confirm the covenant for many for one week. This is during the tribulation where the Antichrist makes a deal with the Jews and the Jews make a deal with the Antichrist. Did you ever wonder how in the world are the Jews ever going to rebuild their temple when the mosque of is, is sitting right on top of that piece of ground? Huh? I mean, you, you want to start World War three? Just, just go ahead and... and uh, uh, ro- roll, a, roll a cement truck over there and, and, te- and tell those Muslims, hey, we're, we're building a temple, move over. <laughs> but the Antichrist is gonna work this thing out. He's gonna be a political mastermind. And, 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 and he's gonna make a covenant with them. And, and God calls it elsewhere a covenant with death. And the Bible says, and in the midst of the week, he shall cause the sacrifice and the oblation to cease. And for the overspreading of abominations, he shall make it desolate, even until the consummation, and that determined shall be poured upon the desolate. Now, you have hundreds of years of history that Daniel lays out here prophetically uh, in verses 24 through 27. So again, we're not going to get through it today, because uh, we're going to wrap this thing up in a little bit. But I want you to take and flip over to Second Th- Thessalonians chapter 2, because this dovetails with this. And what Jesus is talking about, he's referencing back to Daniel. And what Daniel's talking about is something that Paul expounds for us a little further, that in the middle of the tribulation period, halfway through this seven-year period, the Antichrist is going to break that covenant, and he's going to walk right into that temple. And he is going to go right into the Holy of Holies, have the high priest thrown out, and he's going to sit there and declare himself to be God. And that's what Jesus is talking about when he talks about the, the abomination of desolation. See, I almost said it. So used to saying it. The abomination of desolation. It's, it, it's, it's an abomination what the Antichrist does there. And uh, let's, just, let's just piecemeal this a little bit here so we can move on. But um, chapter 2. Chapter uh, 2, he says He says here, uh, verse 2, that you be not soon shaken in mind or be troubled neither by spirit nor by word nor as le- uh, by letter as from us as that the day of Christ is in hand. Uh, watch out for assumptions, folks. Do you ever get all worked up over an assumption and then you found out the assumption wasn't true <laughs> and I got all worked up for nothing? I had high blood pressure and sweat and a red face and... Thought some bad words, never said them. (laughs) Yeah, right. Um, And it was all over an assumption. He says, "Let no man deceive you." Verse three, uh, by any means, that that day shall not come except there come a falling away first, and that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition. You ever hear somebody say, "Well, the the church is going to know who the antichrist is before we get raptured." Do you ever hear that one? Okay. That's where they get that from. Now, I don't believe that that's what's going on. I believe people in the tribulation are going to know who the Antichrist is. Why do I need to know who the Antichrist is? Okay? And by the way, if I had that information, what would I do with it? Send him a Christmas card? <laughs> Run around, pointing at him? It's him, it's him, it's him. I know what that'll get you. Get you. Get you... Uh, room and board in a rubber room. (laughs) That's all it's going to get you. But during the tribulation period, they're going to know who it is because they're going to be made to take his mark. And if they reject it, the Bible says in the book of Revelation, they can't buy or sell or eat or hold a job down or be a part of anything. They're going to be canceled. See how things are prepping for that? Oh, I just used another word, prepping. <laughs> See where things are going? They'll be canceled. And, and then, and then uh, notice, notice um, verse 4. Who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped, so that he as God sitteth where? In the temple of God, showing himself that he is who? God. Now in history we have we have a type of that when Antiochus Epiphanes uh, sat in the temple and did the same thing after 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 conquering Jerusalem but but this is going to be the consummation of what Jesus was talking about in Matthew chapter 24. So let's back over there and we'll wrap this thing up we'll wrap this thing up for this morning and here's the bottom line. Daniel chapter 9 harkens to 2 Thessalonians 2. We just took a look at it. Next week, we're going to look at Revelation 17 and 18. Next week, we're going to look at James 5, where James talks about the rich men in the last days who seek to control everybody with their immense wealth. Can you say George Soros? (laughs) who spends millions of dollars getting district attorneys elected all over the country that are for lawlessness? Do you know that 20% of the district attorneys that were elected in this country over the last however many years, I can't remember how many it was, I think it harkens back about 10 years, were his, his people in places like San Francisco, and that's what's going on in Chicago. That district attorney won't prosecute anybody for anything. And the criminals know it. The Antichrist is the lawless one. You say, now I'm getting ahead of myself. I, I, I know. Read, read James 5, just, just, just to keep it interesting. You say, well, what does a guy get out of destroying the system in the place in the people that made him so filthy rich? You ready for this? It's not complicated. He feels all-powerful and wants to control everything and everyone. Remember when a millionaire was a rich guy? How many of you are old enough to remember if somebody was a millionaire, he was a rich guy? Forget it now. <laughs> you gotta be a what? A billionaire. We're talking guys like Sor, We're talking about guys like Bill Gates who's buying up all the farmland in the United States. I wonder what his ideas are. James has something to say to these guys. Does that stuff ever irritate you? Read James 5. God's got it all under control. He's going to take care of these guys. He is going to take care of these guys. Folks, prophecy is laid out like tomorrow's news. (laughs) We got nothing to worry about. God is running the show, folks. Nothing takes him by surprise. And I'll end with this statement. When we look at Daniel chapter 9, that is one of the devil's last big four pushes to usurp God's authority. Isaiah 14, Matthew chapter 4, when he tempted Jesus and then had him crucified at Calvary and now through the Antichrist and then later on at the end of the millennium in Revelation chapter 20 with Gog and Magog, and guess what, folks? Every single time, he loses. He loses. You see, well, I look around me. It looks like the devil's winning. Nope. He loses. He loses. God wins. God wins. Just stay on the right team. <laughs> stay on the right team. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word this morning. We thank you for this great chapter. And Lord, in the amount of time we had this morning, we just can't really do it any justice. In fact, truth be known, we really just can't do any of this any justice, period, no matter how much time we spend on it. But we thank you for it, Lord. We thank you in your word that the testimony of Jesus is indeed the spirit of prophecy. Help us to go forth from this place, Lord, telling others about a wonderful Savior, a Savior that can take away their sins and give them the promise of eternal life and deliver them from this terrible period of time and from the consequences of their sin in eternal hell. Give them the peace of God which passes all understanding and the promise of a home in heaven. Father, we pray for anyone listening in this morning or here in the building that doesn't know Christ. May they repent of their sins and turn to Jesus Christ as their personal Savior by faith. May they say to the Lord, Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I know I deserve to go to hell. I know that I have violated your holy law. And I thank you that you sent your son to die on that cross for my sins as your perfect lamb, without spot and without blemish. I now receive him as my personal Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand and sing number 588. Number 588. 588 on the first. Work for the night is God would you come on up here and close us in a word of prayer our father we come to you this morning lord just grateful lord that you didn't leave us in uh with a lot of doubt and wondering about what the future lies ahead for us lord but you gave us hope you gave us confidence and gave us assurance and at the end of the day that we all just trust lord in your great plan and your great wisdom thank you for your son the Lord Jesus Christ and and who we uh, rest and trust in all things father go with us as we go home our separate ways bring us back here tonight and we thank you again in Jesus name amen